Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Quite often you hear people talking about all their successes and all the things that went well. And if you're big into social media, you'll always be seeing people posting about they got this deal, they got that deal, they filled a property with tenants. They're all positive. Look at me, look how well things are going. And one of the things that's not really that balanced sometimes is the mistakes, the failures, the things that went wrong. So I thought it would be worthwhile for me to, today on the podcast, share a little bit about some of the things that I've done wrong, some of the mistakes I've made in the past, and give you an episode on my six biggest failures in property and what I've learned from them. So hopefully you don't make the same mistakes too. So let's get right into it. Mistake number one, anyone who knows me will know what my number one biggest mistake was, investing abroad. So I started off my property journey buying off-plan properties abroad and I bought in Turkey, Bulgaria and Estonia. Why is that a mistake? Well, number one, don't buy off-plan property. It's you're buying something that might go up in value, might not go up in value, might get built, might not get built. There's no real guarantee. And while you're waiting for the build, you're not making any money from the property. I like to buy property today that is in, in an area that I know that makes me money pretty much immediately or I'm in control of at least of the build to deliver the project to allow me to make the money. But not just whether it gets built or not, the tax laws. I had no idea of the tax laws in Bulgaria, in Turkey, in Estonia. The impact on me financially if I was to have to pay tax on those three countries. I didn't know the language. I couldn't read the contract I didn't have a copy of the contract in English. I couldn't understand what was written there. I was just signing a contract on the advice of the developer or the salesperson who was selling me these developments. Now, if you're listening and thinking, is this guy really an expert? This was before I was an expert. This was at the right beginning of my property journey. The, the distance, my thought process in my head when buying abroad was that I would have holiday homes. So I had a beach apartment in Turkey, a ski resort in Bulgaria, and a, a property basically in the countryside overlooking a lake in Estonia. And I had holidays for life. But reality is, would I really want a holiday in those places for the rest of my life? This is what I think you should be doing and what I do today. Is I invest in UK property, I build up cash flow, and then I go away on holidays and I stay in a five-star hotel somewhere where I get my food cooked for me, I get my room cleaned for me. And I don't have to worry about anything to do with that property. I'm not worried about the maintenance. I'm not worried about anything to do with the property. While if you've got your own property abroad and you go to holiday there, you've got to do your own cooking. You've got to do your own cleaning. You're going to spend your holiday probably doing repairs and maintenance and small odd jobs instead of enjoying your time off work. So mistake number one, failure number one, investing abroad. Stay local, invest in what you know, build cash flow right here in the UK. Or if you're listening in from abroad, build cash flow in whichever country you live in because that's where you live. Mistake number two. When I did start doing property deals here in the UK, 
I tried to do all my own refurbs. So I was ripping the property out, ripping out the kitchens, ripping out the bathrooms, taking up the carpets, filling the skip, pulling the wallpaper off the walls, repainting it, trying to fit new bathrooms, new kitchens, doing whatever jobs I could possibly do myself and just outsourcing the bits that I literally didn't know how to do. The challenge with that was, number one, it took up loads of time. So while I was, as they say, um, head down, ass up in a refurb, I wasn't looking for other opportunities to make money. I wasn't looking for the next property deal. I was being penny wise and pound foolish. I also, while I was doing the work, was not doing it to the standard that a professional builder would do it to. Meaning that a few short years later, I have to redo the work that I had done because I had done it badly. In hindsight, trying to do those refurbs myself cost me time and cost me money. Hire professional builders, people who understand what they're doing. It frees up your time to focus on what I call Rob Moore calls income generating tasks, IGTs, tasks that bring money into your business, not tasks that save you money. So I spent most of my life in a mindset that I had to save, 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 save. My mindset today is that I have to invest, not save. It's invest, invest, invest. When you're trying to save money, doing jobs that somebody else is better qualified to do, in reality, what you're doing is you're losing money because you're losing the opportunity or missing the opportunity to find other deals that will make you even more money. Mistake number three, waiting too long before quitting my job. So because I was in massive debt when I started out in property, and because I had made a few mistakes when I started, and my initial focus was on cash flow and replacing my income. Now, my income was about £2,750 a month, and I thought, if I get to £3,000 a month, I'll quit my job. But then I got to £3,000 a month, and that negative fear started coming into my head about, if I quit now, will, will it all go wrong? Will I make mistakes um, will I regret quitting my job? So what I thought I'll do is I'll stay in my job and I'll double my income. So I did and I doubled it to six grand a month. And then I still had the same fear. What if I quit and it all goes wrong? What if it, if it doesn't last? And I stayed in my job even longer. Eventually, I only quit my job once I got to £10,000 a month cash flow from property. And then what I did was I initially went three days a month to test it out, to test the water, to see if it would really work for me. And if, I could, if it was just a dream or if it was going to be real, if this was real money, if this was really going to be sustainable. So if you get to a point, if you are replacing your income, just, yeah, go three days a week, reduce your hours, but just commit and get out. Because what actually happened once I quit my job was it gave me more free time to focus more on property and my results have scaled massively since I left that job and started to do things full time, allowing me the freedom, the mind space to really focus on scaling my property business. So mistake number three would be waiting too long before quitting my job. That leads into mistake number four, which was waiting too long before hiring staff. So when I did quit my job, I had all this fear of what if it all goes wrong? I have to protect my income. I have to make sure that I don't reduce the money that I'm earning 
in, as I need to build a pot for the rainy day, as they say. So I didn't hire staff quick enough. What that meant was I was doing loads of admin tasks. I was doing all the viewings. I was meeting the tenants that were moving in, moving out. I was looking for the maintenance repairs and doing all the inspections. I was focused on lots of jobs that in reality I should have outsourced to other people because these were time-consuming jobs and again, not income-generating tasks. My only focus today, the only thing I get involved with in my property business is negotiating new deals. Where in your business can you add income? Where can you put money into your business? So speaking to joint venture partners, people who want to invest money into your business or to invest money with you in property deals. Negotiating property purchases or negotiating contracts on rent to rents or lease options with homeowners. That's where my focus is today in my property business. I outsource all the other tasks to staff members, the property management, the speaking to the tenants, the maintenance inspections, all of the tasks that are time consuming, but don't generate income, but rather take money from the business are taken care of by other people. Had I hired staff sooner, I would have been able to scale my business bigger and quicker because it allowed me to just focus on the income generating tasks much sooner than I did. A staff member should be in a role where they can earn their own income. So any member of staff that you hire, make sure they're in a job where they can either save you the income or you can make more than their income with the free time you create for yourself or they actually generate their own own income. So they're in a role like marketing or sales where they'll bring in the amount of money or more, and ideally more, than the cost of their wage. Had I brought staff members into my business quicker, I would have had a higher income due to the jobs that they would have been doing and the free time for what I could have done to bring in more income to the business. Leads on from the not hiring staff quick enough. Mistake number five is when I did hire the staff, not having a clear system to check their work. So I put staff into roles initially and let them get on with the job. They got an induction, they got shown what to do, but because we were scaling quite quick, they then, once they were shown what to do, were left to run that job and do it themselves. That meant that I over-trusted them too soon and each person had an individual role. That led to some staff taking advantage of the opportunity. So for instance, I had one person whose job was to do all the property inspections and to do all the tenant viewings and all the um, rent chasing, so collecting rent that had been missed. What this led to was that this staff member would maybe be out and about the town all day, every day, doing, doing supposed inspections, but what we realized eventually was that he may have been filling in some of the inspection sheets saying the inspections were done, but not actually doing the inspection. So I brought a system into my business now where every second month a different person has to go to do the inspection and randomly once a month I drop into different properties, but I don't tell my staff members which ones I'm going to be visiting. So I'll just do a, a drop in onto HMO properties. Now, on single lets, you've got to book an inspection, but on HMOs, you can visit the communal areas, the kitchens, the bathrooms, 
without any notice. You can't enter the tenant's bedroom but you can visit the communal spaces. So I will drop in unannounced to some of the properties without even telling my staff members. So spot checking them basically to make sure that what they're doing is verified and proven that it's done in the right way. The person who was responsible for doing all the tenant viewings, we had a once a month meeting in our office where we would go through what was happening with the business. Sometimes because of how we scaled too quick, those meetings were let to slip and they didn't happen. Now we make sure that every single month that meeting has to happen because it's the one place where we get to have an overview of the business. The staff member that I wasn't really keeping an eye on that was doing all the viewings, he actually had rented some rooms out to people and was identifying to the office that those rooms were empty. And what he was doing was getting that tenant to pay directly to him, robbing me, rather than having the tenant pay through the shop. So we didn't know the room was tenanted because nobody was inspecting that room, only that member of staff. So the new system, meaning that a different person has to view the room every month and that I'll do drop-in spot checks on the property, means that that can not happen again because two staff members would have to work together to make it happen and me doing drop-in spot checks would mean that they wouldn't even risk that because they'd get caught much quicker. Now, I did mention that you can drop into the communal areas of a HMO, but not into the actual rooms. But if you pop into a communal area, you meet a couple of tenants there, you can say to them, you know, how many people live here? Is there any empty rooms? And they can tell you if there's any rooms empty that you believe should be full. If you've got your property with a letting agent been managed by another lettings business, it may be the other side of the country or somewhere, I recommend that you should do inspections as well because you never know. Always check on them. Go and have a look. Be sure that the rooms that they say are empty are empty. Be sure that the rooms that they say are full are full. And be sure that the income that they're saying they're getting from the rooms is the income they're getting. So check them out. Check your own staff out. Make sure that what is being said is the reality. And finally, failure number six. When I was doing refurbs initially myself, I realized quite quickly that this was a mistake. So then I started hiring tradespeople to do the refurb. But what I would do is I would hire individual tradespeople on the best price to deliver the project. What that can lead to is with no project manager in place, the tradespeople are focused on their part of the job and not the other person's. One tradesperson will do his bit not think about the other tradesperson's role. So for instance, the plumber does his bit but doesn't think about the plasterer and sticks radiators on walls that aren't plastered yet. They're not coordinating and working together. And that leads to additional costs, additional work. Uh, A plasterer plastered a room for us once before the windows were fitted. Then we had to go back and redo all around the windows because the window fitter damaged all the edgings. So just additional work, additional overruns, additional costings because nobody was responsible for the actual project management. And tradespeople not getting on with each other, not liking each other, falling out with each other and blaming each other for things going wrong. We now have a project manager that manages the entire refurb team. The initial project manager I hired, some of the tradespeople complained about him. So what I've now done is I've made my electrician, who's my, the person who's worked with me for the longest and my most trusted member of my refurb team, 
my electrician is also the project manager. So he coordinates now the builder, the plasterers, the plumbers, and makes sure that they're all working off the same hymn sheet. And he works closely with some trusted people that he can pull into the job and get it delivered on time. Him being responsible for the project means that there's no way now that there can be any more excuses, any more fighting within the team. And it is cheaper than an actual project manager. So I was trying to save money by not having a project manager initially and then individually having the tradespeople and trying to manage it myself. It was eating up my time. They were arguing. They were cutting corners. They were not waiting for each other and coordinating properly. I hired a project manager. They didn't like the project managers that we would hire. They would complain about the project manager and the project manager would be adding a big cost to the refurb. Having one of the refurb team, the electrician, also work as the project manager, keeps the cost down and means that he's going to work with people that he wants to work with and that will deliver the project with him. We get it done quicker, we get it done within budget and everybody's happy. So they're my six biggest failures in my property journey to date. I'm not saying they're the only six failures you can have. There'll be lots of other failures. There's lots of other things that could go wrong. But they're the six things for me that if you think about before you go down the road of a project, it can save you time, it can save you money. And I'm sure in the future, as I go through my property journey, there's going to be more mistakes, just like there'll be more successes. A wise man once said to me, you only have to be right 51% of the time. If you're on your property journey and you're worried about making mistakes, mistakes are a part of life. If you're in a job, I bet you make mistakes. The richest people on this planet have made many mistakes. Mistakes is part of the journey. You just have to make sure that you make your mistakes small and you make your successes bigger. And in the end, you're going to finish ahead. In any walk of life, there's risk. In property, there is risk, but there's also a huge reward. The great thing about property is there's many people that you can align yourself to, that you can work with, who can protect you, who can prevent you from making mistakes. Me sharing my six failures with you today on the podcast will hopefully help you not make similar mistakes than me. Every single mistake in property that's ever been made has been made by somebody before. You should not be making the same mistakes as other people have made. Get educated, learn from other people. Attend some events. Progressive Property run many events, the multiple streams of property income being one of them. Speak to the team in the office. Join the Progressive Property Facebook community. There's lots of content in there every week from people who are sharing successes, sharing mistakes. There's the Progressive Property YouTube channel where you can get information about property that can help you and protect you on your property journey. We want you making property deals that make you money, not doing property deals that's going to cost you money. So let's keep each other safe. There's an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, let's go together. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. It's out every Tuesday. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You've been awesome. 